coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Congratulations, you're getting a new Hyrule Warriors game forever. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We have got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news in the week, including more details about Super Mario 3D World and the possibility of more Hyrule Warriors games and more Pokémon Tournament games. And then on Thursday, we're going to be doing part two of our ABCs of Nintendo Sports. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. I, um, as listeners know from last week. I'm on call for jury duty this week, and I know yes. everyone is riveted to understand how jury duty in LA County works right now. And I, I have to tell you, I don't entirely know because I haven't been called in yet, but here is what I've been able to surmise and I, what I believe to be true is basically what they did is they got rid of the big room that everybody just sits in all day, and you only get called call. in if you are like to come to the courthouse. And if you get called, you go at your appointed time directly to the courtroom. And you're like, for like the jury selection process. And it's yeah. like, why is that not how it was always working? Why have the big room at all in the first place? Oh, because they had the big room in. Look, I'm sure it is all just because institutions change very slowly, <laughs> right? So, like, you and I are still doing this podcast in the format that we're doing it in. Is this the most efficient way to do it? Or is this just how we've always done it, Mark? You're, are we the very institutions that we decry? Dude, this is such a mind-blowing point. It's like, yeah, could, should, we, should we just write, could, could we just write an AI script that would, and then yes. like record, you and I each record like a hundred phrases or something. And then we deep fake. We say episode. the same things over and over again. Here, let's throw a couple out there. Star Tropics, Tellero Boxer. Just sample those and play them back. You got yourself an episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Speaking of institutions that are probably on the decline, the Sonic Forces borrowing program. Would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces? The program is perfect. It cannot decline, of course. Um, all you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail Mark, tell them how it works. You send your mailing address to that mm -hmm. to our email address, and then good so far. <laughs> and then Patrick <laughs> sends his copy of Sonic Forces to the address that you provided. Plus, he includes a return envelope with return postage paid. So all you got to do is whatever you want to do with Sonic Forces for as long as you want to do it, and then send it back to Patrick so the program can continue. Right. There are no rules, but we do request that you send it back to me at some point. Um, there is also uh, the possibility that instead of a copy of Sonic Forces, there will be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in the Sonic Forces box. That's just part of it. If that's what happens, that's what happens. Uh, and you got to send that back. Uh, there will be no requests for one game over the other. You get what you get. Um, the goose is a spoiler. That's, that's what he does. Um, Mark, one more thing that is going on is that we are going to be doing, we do a segment on the show called 433, where we talk about something that is not Nintendo related for four minutes and 33 seconds. We are coming up on our 433rd episode, which means we are going to be doing a whole episode of 433s back to back to back to back to back. We need your suggestions for 433 topics. Mark and I, when we do this, we pick something comfortable something goofy, something we can reflect back on our pasts, either shared or separate, and muse about for four and a half minutes. Um, but it is now up to you, the listener, to give us either challenging topics, topics you think will be fun to hear us talk about, um, topics that you think will be difficult to hear us talk about. Not a lot of those suggestions yet. Um, but email us at nintendocartridgesociety at, at gmail.com. And let us know what you want us to talk about. We need those suggestions by the end of the day on February 9th um, so that we can uh, have them all ready for our 433rd episode. Thank you so much to uh, Daniel and John and Lizzie um, for sending them in this week. 
and to everyone else who has been sending them in already. We've got some good topics. I would like even more good topics. Uh, as with all of these uh, kinds of episodes, I am insatiable. The more you can send us, the better. All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So I booted up Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp <laughs> FE. I, I, play, I, was, I, I was going to start this with a, I don't believe what I'm seeing. <laughs> Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE uh, is on our list of games that Mark has been playing. But now I'm, I am uh, now a little relieved or taken aback. or so I feel like I see clearly now that you've started the sentence, I booted it up. <laughs> well, I've played for about an hour. So okay, I right, did. Great. So I did a little more than just turn it on. <laughs> I was like, I, over the weekend, I was like in the mood. I was like, I think this is fine. This is the time because you know I feel like with these like games that are kind of longer. Like anytime I'm starting an totally. RPG, it's like I've really got to be in the mood. And when are you ever really in the mood? But I was to start on the an RPG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I was over the weekend, and so I was like, I have to like seize this moment. So I started it, and I've got to say, um. It is a hundred percent like it. It is like very, very, very anime, mm-hmm. and I am like really in for it right now. It's very like oh, all right. high school like anime, but I'm like very in for it. Um, when you start the game, before you actually like get into it, you have two choices that you have to make that are apparently very critical to the adventure. The first one is the uh, difficulty setting. So you can choose like easy, regular, and like, I can't remember what they call it, but I think just like difficult or hard or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the second one, the second choice that you have to make is, is a character going that you haven't met yet and you don't know what they look like. Is she going to wear glasses or is she not going to wear glasses? Ooh, that is that is a tough choice. Luckily, <laughs> if you're indecisive, there's a third option where the game will choose for you. And they let you know that don't worry, if you made the wrong choice at any time, you can change it. But that's the kind of game we're talking about where like, yeah. d- is this girl character going to wear glasses or is she not going to wear glasses is one of the critical decisions you have to make up front. It's important in drama to establish stakes early <laughs> and i will tell you i started with glasses but very i regretted good. my decision because oh. like uh the the character model like it's very clear that it's one of those things where like it's very clear the glasses are like something that's optional so they don't really like sit right they don't really like fit right so it's kind of distracting so i went from glasses to no glasses um how's the game <laughs> <laughs> so it's um it's so far it's pretty fun i feel like the uh um, I'm obviously very early into it, so I'm just barely learning mm-hmm. the systems. Like, I'm uh, I just completed the first kind of like tutorial dungeon. Um, it is I I think that the cutscenes I didn't look this up to make sure, but I think the cutscenes are animated by the same company did, that did the cutscenes for um, Fire Emblem Three Houses. It has like okay. that same like style. Um, but the gameplay itself is fun. It's like a just like a turn based RPG. Um. The whole, the whole thing is based around, like, you know, like, um, music, and I'm sure, like, there will be more idle stuff as you get into it, but, like, um, uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Like, you totally have to have, like, a tolerance for the anime tropes that it um, yeah. has fun in, but, like, so far, I am having fun. Also, uh, you're, like, already I'm introduced to, I think, what are some uh, Fire Emblem characters, like Krom. And stuff like that. Like, very early in the game, they're, like, featured very prominently. So I'm interested to see, like, how those two worlds meld. Like, if there's more to it than just, like, hey, I'm this character named Krom that, you know, like, looks a little medieval. Yeah, that's, it's such a funny idea to be playing uh, this Tokyo Mirage Sessions um, and being a mashup of, uh, like, Persona characters and Fire Emblem characters. Uh, when in reality you're not really familiar with characters from either <laughs> franchise, <laughs> I'm just enjoying it for what it is, which uh, yeah. so far is like super weird. I mean, sometimes look, I like any mashup that includes characters from franchises that you're excited about is fun just to see those characters. But there's also just something about that energy, like the energy of a crossover, is 
chaotic. It's fun. It is uh, sensational. Um, so it's cool to know that that is at least in its first hour uh, doing that for you. Yeah, it's interesting because like so there, um, Crom is featured in like a in a form, and then there's also like a female um character who I am guessing I've, i forgot her name but like i'm guessing yeah. that she's a fire emblem character but i don't actually know that that's true you know what i mean like to yeah, your yeah. point of, of me like not being familiar like i think you could totally enjoy this game and not know any of the fire emblem characters because i pretty much don't yeah well and also i feel like that's got to be people's experience with um fire emblem heroes as well right the mobile game yeah where it's just like they're just getting more characters and it's like yeah you don't know who the axe wielding guy is from the <laughs> fourth fire emblem game watch the fourth one be like remade as something that we all know and <laughs> you know we don't know fire emblem history um but that's cool i hope that you um stick with that game because i want to live vicariously through you yeah i'm i'm hoping like what i'm really excited for is uh, I want like more of the pop idol stuff. Like I want it to get weirder and more like re- specific into this world that I'm not super familiar with. And so I am looking yeah. forward to like pressing on. Um, uh, w- as long as we're talking about uh, JRPGs, I am of course still playing Final Fantasy three slash Final Fantasy six on the uh, Super NES Classic Edition, uh, and I've gotten now deep enough into the game to uh, the point where um, there are totally uh petrified parts of my brain that are reanimating the parts that like knew how to like level up the characters efficiently and like battle tactics and like blitz inputs and uh, you know when to switch out espers and stuff all of all of this information this highly specialized highly specific information about final fantasy 3 that has lain dormant for 20 years is now slowly coming back I, i can feel color returning to my brain um it's incredible and i absolutely love it uh, i have not uh yet tipped the scales into the world of ruin which is uh, a thing that sort of happens like halfway through the game um where the entire map is remade and it sort of becomes like an open world uh quest to put every put your team back together um and so i'm i'm like just before triggering that that event uh sort of going around and like cleaning up little things here and there, you know, triggering uh, little cutscenes, um, collecting uh, Mog the Moogle, getting some more um, uh, rage abilities for Gao on the Velt, collecting more uh, lore spells for um, Strago. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, Mark, I'm having the time of my life. It feels like coming home to be this far into the game uh, and just like remembering how to play it. That's really fun. That's really fun. Because it's a game that I know that you have such like fond memories of. And so it that's fun to be able to like get back into it to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, previous times that I've like turned the game back on to like mess around with it in the, in the last like two decades, um, you know, have been like me playing the first like hour or two and being like, all right, that's fine. Um but I've pushed through that to the point where I'm like, no, I'm I'm playing it. This is not me like engaging the uh, SNES Classic Edition and like a novelty. I am now playing a game on it. Um, and I just I I, I just want to quickly say uh, how much I love that dumb little system. There's so much good stuff on it, and the Super NES controllers feel great. Um, uh, of course, you know it, it has the same problem that the NES Classic Edition had that like you can't select new games or access the like save state thing without having the system right next to you um because you have to push the reset button on the system itself um uh you know alleviated by the fact that i have a like 30 foot long hdmi cable and the power source for it is it's running off a battery (laughs) so it is like literally on my lap (laughs) as i play um as far as I can tell, is the only way to do this. Everyone should invest in these very specific things that I have uh, in order to play your classic edition consoles. Ooh, those classic edition consoles are so yeah, they were they are so much fun. And man, I would love like a Game Boy classic edition that uh, yeah. could, like you can hook up to the TV and plays just like uh, G- Game Boy games, Game Boy Color games, Game Boy Advance games. Like I'm greedy. Give it to give it all to me. Yeah, and I mean, you know, why not just call that like the Game Boy Player Advance? Because that's what the uh, that uh, attachment for the um, GameCube was called, right? Is the right, Game Boy Player? Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. Let's get on it. 
Mark, what else have you been playing? Well, I've been playing a little bit more of Donkey Kong Country 2. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been playing on the SNES Switch Online and the ability to rewind makes that game so much more enjoyable. Um, I still think, look, I'm not all the way through Donkey Kong Country 2, but I still think I might like Donkey Kong Country 3 more. But I definitely am enjoying playing through Donkey Kong Country 2 like immensely more uh now that yeah. i can like rewind like i just did um uh oof, uh the like bramble one what is that one called yeah is that bramble blast yes. yeah bramble yeah. blast is the name of the level and sticker bush symphony is the name of the uh piece of music yeah. yes and so i just did that one and i remember when you and i played through it like that one was a little bit frustrating like the part where you get the where you get squawks yeah. and you're like flying through it and everything this time it was like whatever I know that there are levels that are coming up, uh, like the um, where you're like a bee or you're in a beehive, and there's lots of like like I'm oh, d- dreading yeah. those levels. But again, if I can rewind, I think it's going to be great. I'm also playing. I played a little bit more of Sheer and the Wander, the Tower of Fortune, the Dice of Fate. Enjoying that a lot. I have found that uh, this game, ha- the Sheer games, have like a feature where if you pass out in the dungeon, you can call for like help. You can and you remain dead, but if somebody like uh, either through the internet or you can share like a code with a friend, um, if somebody can, somebody can like in- input your code, go and rescue you, and then like you're revived and you get all your stuff back. But uh, it doesn't seem like that many people in are playing the game in English because anytime that I have like offered to help other people. The English servers have all been empty, but like I found people in like the Japanese servers, and I haven't had very. I I tried once to get somebody to rescue me, and I didn't have very much luck. And after twenty four hours, I was like, "Whatever, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna keep going because I, uh, it's just not worth it." Yeah. Um. So that's is that something that you could just like send? Yeah. It's just it's just like out to the server like generically. You don't get to choose like who you're exactly. And then um, when you're like looking for people to rescue, there are like you can choose like English or worldwide or like that kind of stuff. Yeah. There are like a few options, but it's not like super specific. I guess there's probably yeah. there probably is like a forum or some sort of fan community somewhere where they're exchanging codes. And maybe I should just hop onto that. Yeah, you need to get on r slash here in the one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a real thing. Um, I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh, I, I have been playing, so, uh, I've been using, um, uh, Picross on the 3DS as, uh, as sort of like wind down game. Uh, you know, when I get into bed, I, I play it for, you know, 20 minutes and then, um, put the 3DS away. But the other night I w- I played a couple puzzles and was like, you know, I kind of, I want to, I want to mess around with something else. Um, something a little bit more, uh, just like energetic and fun and you know i I was like kind of just scrolling through all the games on my 3ds and i was like you know what game that i've not given a a fair shot to is mario golf world tour um so i started playing uh and not really understanding like the golf mechanics or how to use like special abilities and items and all this sort of stuff um and even like basic strategies of like I was having the hardest time uh, putting at all. Um, you got to aim for just past the hole, not for the hole itself, because you aim for the hole itself, it's uh, going to fall short every time. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been playing Mario Golf World Tour, just, you know, not like a ton, but like play a, a hole or two here and there, um, more than a hole or two. It doesn't take long to, you know, play a hole of, of Mario Golf. Um, but it is getting me like slowly, casually interested in, uh, the inevitability of a new Mario Golf game on Switch, um, which I feel like is going to be among the next like vanilla Mario announcements, right? Like there has to be another. We've been through all the other kinds of Mario at 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 this point, right? On on Switch, right? Um, so I'm just sort of like get getting myself ready, um, and uh, enjoying what is actually a really chill, um, fun, bright, colorful time. How does it use the touchscreen, or does it use the touchscreen? Yeah, you can. There's a there's a lot of ways that you can use the touchscreen. Um, like uh, the the entirety of the time that you are like lining up your shot and stuff, um, you can see like what buttons do what uh, on the touchscreen. Um, but then they are also like you know where it tells you like uh, A will start your swing. You can also like push that button that looks like A on the touchscreen. Got it. Yeah. To start your swing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I am mostly playing it with, uh, the, the buttons. Um, 
but you can use like tilt controls to like sort of like see around like you know change your view of things and and stuff like that but uh yeah i mean it's just sort of a uh straightforward um like kind of clear obvious uh golf game one of the things uh that this game does as so many 3ds games do is like offer this sort of um you know asynchronous multiplayer or like where you are uh putting up like scores on leaderboards or like starting tournaments that are you know you like set up a code and like everyone like plays and like their scores all get uploaded and then you're competing against each other that way um and of course that's all like it still exists and it's still like in the menus there but like there's no you know i don't know anyone that's playing mm-hmm. this game it's it's a little bit like your uh your sheeran problem um except way worse because uh, i don't <laughs> even know anyone who turns on their 3ds anymore you don't think there's an r slash uh mario golf mario golf world tour there, I'm sure there is, but I bet it is a lot more of a hostile place than the <laughs> <laughs> than, than the Sheeran Reddit. Who's your who's um, the, who's the, who? Which character do you play as? Who's your main? So when you are doing like the the campaign of it, you have to play as your me. Ah, um, uh-huh. which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, so I actually spend a lot of time in the um sort of like exposition um uh you know uh holes courses whatever it's called um and so you know then i can play as wario and mario um who that's i bounce between those two wario because he's funny and mario because he you know plays well (laughs) (laughs) but it's also uh who was i playing as i was playing as someone it made really made me laugh when uh like the ball almost went in and they're like kind of oh diddy kong i was playing as diddy kong um and uh like he's he's putting and like when the ball just doesn't go in he like lays on the ground and like grits his teeth it's really like the animation <laughs> in the game is really wonderful and has a lot of personality and it's just really funny i like it that sounds fun i've never really played a mario golf game yeah it's a new experience for me too um and it's also i mean i don't i i was going through something i think uh during the 3ds period um, because there are just a bunch of games, a bunch of like Nintendo first party games that I bought and are just sitting on uh, the 3DS, like waiting for me to play them even for the first time uh, as Mario Golf World Tour was. Um, so I, I feel like that's something I'm going to be doing a little bit more just as the, uh, the months progress here um, and, you know, maybe beyond just this one game. Okay, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week also before hold on <laughs> i just i realize that uh you know we say like um that's what we've been playing this week let's get into new releases and therefore what we might be playing next week none of the games that we uh talked about uh came out in the last like any amount <laughs> all the games that we played are super old <laughs> yeah even tokyo mirage sessions is like the switch the switch version is like over a year old at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good for us. Good for us. Good for we're, us. We're living the dream of clearing out our yeah. backlog, right? That's what's happening. Is that what's happening? Yeah, by replaying Final Fantasy 3 for <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what's new this week? Today, January 26th, Cyber Shadow, the new uh Yacht Club Games published game is released. Yep, developed by Machine Head Studios or Machine Head Games or some, something along those lines. I am very excited about this game. Um, reviews for it started popping uh, today, Monday, um, and it looks like it's good um, uh, along the lines of The Messenger, but a little bit more action-focused and less like explory. Um, I'm going to buy this game the second it's available and play the heck out of it. I'm very excited about this one. So it's kind of like a... I guess modern take on Ninja Gaiden, right? And those are games that yeah. I've never that I never really played on the NES. Those, the, so the uh, I, I played a lot of the first one, and I feel like the Ninja Gaiden games are um, they're so good in concept um, and in like the sort of base execution of them, but are just so difficult and you know sort of like hampered by that you know NES aesthetic of of game design. Um, that makes them like impassable and like at the end of the day, like just bad games. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see that sort of idea translated through a modern game developer's lens um, and turned into something actually playable. And then Ho- hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Thursday, uh, January 28th, 
Olesia is released. This is like an action, a 2D action side scroller. Um, I actually, I personally am not super excited for this game. And so I don't know if this is like people are interested in this game or they have just like um, carpet bombed the earth with marketing because it w- uh, this game was one of the like featured sponsors for um, Games Done Quick earlier this Interesting. month. Interesting. And uh, I feel like I've seen the, the name of this game like in a lot of places. But uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I'm having difficulty discerning what is hype and what is marketing. So well played, Elijah, um, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah well, well played. I, I'm looking at its page on uh, Nintendo's website. Um, and there are, you know, a, a couple of um, here, here, here are the bullet points. Um, explore a mysterious and handcrafted world inspired by sailors, legends, and Asian fantasy. Cool. Wield the harpoon of legend and rethink movement through platforming, puzzle, and combat. Also cool. Uh, rescue fellow castaways and meet curious characters to learn more about Trefage and the enig- and the enigmatic Olesia. Also kind of neat. Beautiful melancholic soundtrack inspired by flamenco, lo-fi, and traditional Japanese music. Awesome. Uh, and then the final uh, bullet point here is craft magic hats. There you go. I mean, what need we say more? I don't. We can we, we say can't. more? <laughs> We're out. We are. That's that's all we can say on Elysia. And then on Friday, January 29th, Turrican Flashback is released on Switch. It's a collection of four Turrican games. Um, two Turkin games for the Commodore Amiga, one for the Mega Drive, and then uh, a final one for the SNES. Um, I've never played any of the Turkin games, but I was wait. Watching... Is that true? Yeah, I've never played any not... Turkin. Did you not play a little bit of Super Turkin with me when I got the oh, Super NT? Yes, actually, we absolutely did. Nailed um, you! Yeah. I nailed you, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, we we absolutely did when you got the Super NT. That's right. Um, it's funny. I was watching some like gameplay footage of the collection, which I just like from what I was seeing. Like the collection is like I guess quote unquote like bare bones to me. It looks similar to what we got with like the Castlevania collection. So like absolutely. Um, it you know does what it needs to do. But the uh, uh the SNES the Super Turrican game. Um, I was watching some gameplay of it. And I think they were in later levels, and for whatever reason, I. I guess not a surprise to anyone who listens to this show. Um, it reminded me so much of Super Star Wars, where like there's like these verticality yes. in the levels, like you're like jumping around, you're like falling tons of screens because you make one wrong move. Yeah, and it's all like, you know, kind of run and gun side scrolling. Uh you're shooting, you're platforming, but the platforming's not really the point. It's just like a, a method of getting from one place to another um while you shoot stuff and upgrade your guns. Um, which is totally super Star Wars. Like you, yeah, one hundred percent correct on that. Um, it's interesting because like the the Turrican games, uh, you know, obviously you said they the first two were Amiga games. So, I uh, uh, from what I was reading, they were originally yeah. Commodore sixty four games, but then they were Commodore. ported to the Amiga by Factor Five, I think, of all studios. Um, mm. and so I know some people were upset that the uh, um. Some people are upset that this collection like didn't have the original games. Like they just have the it starts with the two ports. But yeah, it's the Amiga games that are on there. It's so interesting to me to see something like this because like the Turrican games are not anything that um like I grew up with or that I, like I knew anyone that was talking about. And it's because it is such a European um franchise that just like never hit the same way here. Um, but it's cool to see this like sort of parallel universe. Uh, you know, like Castlevania collection. Um, it, it it feels very similar to me. Totally, uh, where it's like, oh yeah, if if I had grown up playing those games, I I would probably love this collection. Mm-hmm. Probably be way into it. Um, all right, so those are the games that are coming out this week. Mark, let's close this segment out. Now it is time for a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Today, Mark, we are doing part one of uh, ranking the 
winter activities. Now, we did this in the uh, fall. When we ranked fall activities, the first of those uh, 433 segments was just us generating a list of fall activities. So this episode, or this installment of 433, will be us coming up with a list of winter activities that we can then rank next week. I love it. I've burned through so much of our time already. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we we will talk about yeah in fact let's not we don't even have to qualify or talk about why something is going on the list i'll just put skiing on there sure and i think skiing becomes skiing slash snowboarding right Fair, completely they're 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 similar activities Mm -hmm. um but um uh like you could maybe argue similar but i'm gonna say totally different ice skating yeah completely different for sure uh drinking activities so far good good Two good activities. Drinking Mm -hmm. hot chocolate. Hot uh, cocoa. Mark, can I tell you a quick story about hot chocolate? Please. Sarah and I bought um, Swiss Miss Mix um, a couple weeks ago so that we could make uh, boozy mint hot chocolates. Um, And uh, when when I make them, I say that for myself, I'm making a Swiss Mister. (laughs) Okay, so hot cocoa is on there. That's a good one um snowman building a snowman building a snowman um white knuckled driving on icy roads sure stressful driving (laughs) um having to Uh, scrape your windshield in the morning yep uh ice scraping so so is is ice scraping is that um is that spiritually similar to uh shoveling a a driveway i think it's different. different i think it's different i think that's different okay yeah uh so shoveling driveway what about uh and this is not one that i have uh, maybe done it once um but going out on a snowmobile Ooh, that's yeah great one for the list for sure um and also is cross-country skiing different enough from downhill skiing oh, throw it on there should we uh so cross country can we also combine with um snowshoeing? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, good, good, good. What what other winter activities do we have here? Um, okay, uh coat shopping, shopping for a new coat. Oh my gosh, yes. Um something that you can put off for uh, a a lot of the time, but uh when you gotta do it, you gotta do it. Mm-hmm. Um now what else do you do? What's another good like wintertime activity? I don't want to just say like staying inside, even though that's obviously one. Right. But is there something to just like cozy days? Mm, like sitting by the fire mm-hmm. and watching it snow. Yes. Putting on the Edward Scissorhands soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Turning off the lights. Right. Bringing whimsy into your life. Yes. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to call this and Mark, it is up to both of us. To understand this next week, I'm just calling it getting cozy. Okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> getting cozy, parentheses, Edwards is her hands. I think we got it. I can't type all that with one hand, but uh <laughs> all right. Um other winter activities. Mm, um and I feel like we are uh, purposefully making these not holiday, right? Like right. there's no like Christmas tree element here. There's no making a wreath or like making garland out of uh cranberries and popcorn or anything yeah i yeah i i don't think so i for whatever reason like the holidays are their own separate thing and then the yes. holidays happen and you're like great winter must be over right but no winter is no it's just beginning on. yeah uh is uh observe the aurora borealis can we put that on there <laughs> i mean can we put it on there well sure yeah we already said no qualifications Throw it on the list, and we'll discuss it. That's a part two problem. Uh, all right, so that 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 is the uh, applause there. We were accompanied today, uh, clicked away from it, uh, by the Battleboro Concert Choir. That is a Zoom performance of 433 by the Battleboro Concert Choir. Um, a new one that we have not featured on this show yet. Uh, so... Uh, if look, if anyone ever does encounter uh, performances of 433 that you have not heard me say like over and over again are the performances that we do this to, please feel free to email them to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. 
They just need to have applause at the end and then we can use them. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. So last week was the big blowout on Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And, but we continue to get little tidbits of new information. Now they're only a couple of weeks away from release. And according to the UK site for the game, quote, all characters have received a boost to their running speed and climb even higher after picking up a super bell, making platforming that little bit snappier. You can, also, you can now also use gyro controls for certain sections of the game that previously required touch controls. Now, the, the increased speed, that was like speculated pretty much from the reveal trailer when people were comparing footage yeah. side by side and saw that the characters were uh, running faster, just moving faster. But Patrick, what sections of the game required touch controls? Oh, interesting. Uh, the the touch controls are mostly like platforms that you trigger, um, either like going up and down or like sort of moving in and out. Um, so you would just like look down at the touchpad and um, touch it to make the platform move. Um, there are similarly a couple areas where um, there are platforms with like little fans on them, and you would get them to move by blowing into the microphone. Because that's the only functionality anyone can ever imagine for a <laughs> microphone is, are you blowing into it? Um, so, yeah, I don't know exactly how they will approach that part of it either. It'll probably just be like an on-screen button prompt. Yeah. Of like, push this to, uh, to blow. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I've only played a little bit of the game. And I didn't remember, like, having those touchscreen pieces. And you could see how, like, if you had to, like, move platforms and stuff, how you could do that just by, like, tilting the remote or however they end up doing yeah, that. Yeah, and but... it's, I mean, it's, it's not even really a, you're not moving it so much as you are activating. Right? Oh. Like, you're just tapping it to, like, move it from one area to the other. Got it. Um, so, yeah, I wonder if it'll just be like a, you know, tip the controller this way to... No, I, I, I really don't know. I, I, I wonder what it'll be. Um, like, if there's an on-screen cursor or something that you're, like, moving around to um, activate those uh, platforms or yeah, what? Yeah, or I wonder if it's even just, like, a Mario Galaxy, like, flick of the wrist, you know, to get that extra yeah. little movement going. Um, um, the, the additional speed, obviously, you, you mentioned that, like, we had seen that um, in the reveal trailer. But the fact that you uh, climb a little bit higher uh, with the the bell is interesting um, and makes me think that it'll make reaching some platforms um, easier and like some challenges because there are um, there's a like sort of um, uh, oh, the thing where you it's all these like little mini challenge rooms that you just have to like do one after another real quick. Um, and there's one where you are just like straight climbing up this thing um, and it's really fast and timed. And I wonder if like that has been retooled so that like the timing. Oh yeah. If that's... you just go faster and you can, do you still have the same amount of time to get through those things? Right. That's a great point. I, cause I was wondering why, like why speed up the characters, like why rebalance it? And obviously we don't know, but I do wonder if it does like make some of the challenges easier. Like, you know, in some of the yeah. final levels when, it, when those um, platforms are switching like on and off, like back and forth, if you're moving yeah. faster, but the timing of the platforms remains the same, it would definitely make those a lot easier to get through. Well, and I mean, it'll make them different to get through for sure. Like, I wonder like how my muscle memory of doing those parts, yeah. like at the very, very end where the timing is like absolutely crucial, um, how the sped up character motion is going to change yeah. like my relationship to that. Because the way um, they're describing well, it, it doesn't sound like they like the entire game is speed sped up. It's like specifically the yeah. characters move faster and like, do the enemies move faster in turn? It's yeah. It'll just be interesting to see how it affects the balance for somebody like you, who's like very familiar with the base game. Yeah. Also based on a screenshot of the settings menu for the Bowser fury campaign, it appears that players will be able to adjust how often Bowser jr. Provides help in the game. Um, hmm. Yeah, so, like, maybe if you want him to be, like, really uh, on top of things and, like, really active, he can do that. If you want to, like, discover some of the stuff for yourself, maybe you can. It's Again, it's just based on a single screenshot of the settings in Japanese. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what the functionality of it actually yeah. is. It's very... Uh, th that's fascinating because it's, like... I, I had assumed that Bowser Jr.'s, um, like, assistance in the game was sort of, like, context-sensitive, right? Like, if you are in range of, like, the power-up, he's going to activate it. Um, but uh, there's, there's got to be more to what that character actually does. 
especially because you know you can have a second player control him mm-hmm. um and I, I feel like that is still kind of mysterious to us right now koei tecmo revealed that hyrule warriors age of calamity has shipped over 3.5 million copies the most for any warriors game ever pretty astounding so do you think that i mean this is the second game if you want to call like hyrule warriors a series we've now had two games in it do you think that we'll eventually see a third hyrule warriors game and would you want it in like a specific zelda era like we saw with age of calamity or would you want it in just kind of like a another celebration of zelda like uh the original hyrule warriors was yeah i think they need to do something different frankly like um i the you know age of calamity is awesome in that it is a you know celebration of all things breath of the wild um and the uh first hyrule warriors game is great in that it is you know the the crazy mashup just like we were talking about uh for um tokyo mirage sessions that it has a similar energy where you're just like yeah what the heck these characters are here and these characters are here and like let's just do it the dimensional gates are opening up and you know it's on your left and everyone loves it um and so like I don't necessarily want to see them do that again, um, but it also feels like the one game approach uh, feels incomplete as well. Um, So I almost want them to like do their own take on the Zelda mythology. Like, you know, just like every Zelda game does where it's like invent a look, um, you know, the, the specific Gorons and uh, Zora and, kokiri or you know they can be either the the children of the forest or they could be the like actual like wooden sprite guys um you know just like i i want to see like another an another shot at what hyrule looks like yeah i think that'd be great because i feel like the first hyrule warriors game um it was it did well enough you know it got like a 3ds port and all that kind of stuff but <laughs> and a switch port. oh and the a switch, switch port. that's port. right yeah. yeah i forgot about that but it's just like um I th- I think obviously like Breath of the Wild as a game captured people's imaginations in a way yeah. that you know previous Zelda games have not in recent history and then uh so I feel like Age of Calamity is such like a unique thing like I don't know if you did a follow up to uh Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity that was not Breath of the Wild related that it would get like the same sort of response but I do think you're right like I agree with you that probably the most interesting way to take it is to tell is to like create like a unique Zelda world that isn't yeah. um because obviously the first Hyrule Warriors game tells a unique story, but it's not it 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 doesn't really stake its claim as its own thing. Right, right, right. And uh, you know, the I guess the the other thing that you could do is of course it revisit the material from uh Triforce Heroes and let's get back to Hytopia and let's get, <laughs> you know, three different links on on every single battlefield. Um I will not let that one die. <laughs> Speaking of theoretical sequels, uh, Pokken Tournament, the Pokemon fighting game, was another game that was released for, it was originally an arcade game, it was released for Wii U, and then eventually a Switch port. Um, Pokken Tournament producer Katsuhiro Harada of Bandai Namco was asked on Twitter about a possible follow-up, and Harada responded, quote, we have a good relationship with Nintendo and Pokemon Company Limited. And Pokken has had a great response, so I would like to make it again. But it's not what we decide, it's what they decide. Interesting. So this is another one of those, uh, you know, like someone interviews an actor and they're like, yeah, I'd love to play Batman. <laughs> right, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> is Army Hammer going to play Batman? <laughs> I'm sorry I brought up Army Hammer. We don't need to talk about him at all. <laughs> but yeah, but given the opportunity, um, sure, like, yeah, of course, uh, Harada's going to be like, yes. I would absolutely make another one. It also seems a little bit like a no-brainer, but then again, like uh, Pokemon Snap, uh, a second one of those was also a no-brainer, and it's been 20 years since the first one came out. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see another Pokemon tournament in like 17 years, and uh, people will be like, I love, I love this game. You and I will be like, oh, interesting, because we'll still be doing this we'll show still in 17 be doing years. It. Yep. <laughs> Um, and we'll be like, oh, we'll try it out. And then I'll buy it. You won't. And uh, then I won't play it. I mean, even if we're not doing the show, uh, the AI that we've programmed to spout our catchphrases will, That's right. <laughs> will be doing it. Um, during last year's December Indie World Showcase, the hit game Among Us was revealed for Nintendo Switch. 
And since its release, it's been ranked high on the US eShop bestsellers list. I think currently it's a number one. If it's not today, it probably will be tomorrow. Um, research firm Superdata estimates the game sold 3.2 million copies on Switch in December, which just an estimate, but wow. Yeah. Like if that is even, That's... I mean, even if it's like half of that, even if it's a third of that, like it's a million, uh, like a million copies. It's five bucks a pop on Switch. That's that's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, and uh, double incredible knowing that this is like the last platform in the universe that this game came to, right? Like Among Us is on everything, except for uh, other consoles. I think it's a Switch console exclusive oh, really? currently. I think so. Oh, then I'm just way wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's been announced for Xbox or Game Pass. Um, for this year but i think i think currently it's all if you have a console and you want to play it on console it's only available on switch it's also crazy the game has been out since i think 2018 and it's not until this last uh year that it like blew up which is fun to see i think it's like a team of like four or six people or something like that yeah well and i know that they're uh rolling out updates for it um either later this year or like right right around now um but that like uh you know they they've addressed like oh yeah you know we're we're just a couple of people making this game um and we'll update it but like i don't know it takes forever to do it <laughs> an early build of the legend of zelda ocarina of time has been discovered it's estimated to be a playable build from space world 1997 uh which Whoa. is a year before release space world was uh the name for nintendo's like big conference that it used to have every year um and no longer does i think it i think like space world uh went away in like the early 2000s but was it just a nintendo thing or a, a like multiple uh software companies i, 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 I don't i think don't know it, the answer i think this. it was just nintendo i think it was just a conference that nintendo would hold to show off all of its stuff um and I, I don't know if this was like maybe before E3 even re- really started gaining traction. I, I'm not really sure the history of it. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I do know that an early build of Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time has been discovered. Um, Forest of Illusion, a website and Twitter handle that's dedicated to Nintendo's history, discovered this prototype on a uh, prototype N64 card of F-Zero X. And uh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they had like a pro, okay. like a, a development cart for F0X and on that cart they also found this playable build of uh the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time that is from like a year before the game would actually be released. So it's pretty significantly different from the final game. Um a lot of the differences are like kind of too specific for my knowledge, but it's pretty cool to see pretty cool to read the details and worth uh searching it out online but some of the bigger stuff that like the high level stuff that's super obvious to even people like me are like the beta icons are totally different there was like an in-game map of hyrule field that uh is like i don't think was ever included in the final game there's the dungeons and layouts for a lot of the areas are completely different and then there's like a more involved magic system that's cool. I would love to see that magic system or as a Zelda game with a more involved magic system. More involved, of course, than uh, Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. He had, he had as many as eight spells in that game. Yeah, so maybe l- more involved than what we got, but maybe less involved than Legend of Zelda, than Zelda 2 The Adventures of Link? I mean, probably. Probably. <laughs> the, okay. Um, that's really cool. That that that's uh that's a weird little artifact um and the the kind of thing that like Ocarina of Time has been such a like remixed and represented game both in like the modding community and like officially from Nintendo like you know there's that Master Quest and there's the 3ds uh 3D remakes um and they just it I don't know it's a game that I would love to see every available every available version of it like let me live in the variations on Ocarina of Time. Totally. I mean, of like games in the world, Ocarina of Time has to be one of the most like documented and dissected by fans. And the fact that like something like this um, can still be discovered and like show us so much new stuff or confirm like 
um, hunches that people have just makes you realize yeah. like how not well documented the development of video games are and how like close to the best uh, companies play this kind of stuff. Like, I feel like rarely do we get a, for like Star Wars movies, um, to varying degrees, you get like insight into the development process, but they always come with like really elaborate art of books where you see like a lot yes. of development art. And I feel like uh, that at least gives you some like insight into the mindset of the creators. And I feel like you don't really get that for video games, rarely get that for video games. And if you do, it's usually like much later. Yeah. I wonder if that's just a, like, just cause the sheer volume of discarded ideas and concepts um, is, is so much bigger than like for a movie, right? Like if there's a drawing of like an alien in the background of a cantina scene, that ends up not getting used in the movie. It's like, fine, no big deal. Um, you know, someone will write a novel about him later. Um, but like, you know, they, there are entire concepts and worlds and, you know, kind of fleshed out characters that just like never see the light of day um, in, in a lot of, uh, a lot of video games. I also feel like it's just like a difference in mentality between the industries. Mm -hmm. Like with movies, I may, you know, like there are entire, like variety and Hollywood reporter that are just reporting like movies that are in development when somebody's like script gets picked up, like all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like in that way, it's so much more transparent than like video games where it's like, they would rather die than tell you what they're working on. Yeah. Video game, the video game industry prides itself in uh, secrecy uh, and, you know, has sort of like, I mean, we see that sort of like spun out into the culture of like people who play games being very like spoiler averse um like way more than like the the movie community like yeah people don't want um you know what happens in like the next marvel movie spoiled for them but like i, I mean i don't know the uh i i keep thinking about like how cool of an experience thor ragnarok would be if you didn't already know that hulk was going to be in it mm -hmm. um if like that's a surprise um but like there's no we don't live in a world where movies are treated that way and it's just like he's he, he's being used to advertise the movie mark ruffalo's name is on the posters um and like all of the press leading up to it like you just know about it uh whereas like video games they're doing everything they can they're you know taking down uh videos that spoil the story for the last of us part two and like you know they're within their right to do that and like yeah you'd rather experience the narrative unspoiled but it's also like just you know beyond it's your own prerogative to not be spoiled. Yeah, I I I agree. I think it's to the like long term detriment of the industry. Like that yes. um, kind of sense of uh, secrecy. Yeah. So I can hear everyone's boos from my apartment, but I am citing the official PlayStation magazine as a source for this next news article. This month's official PlayStation magazine has some new details about Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, which is also coming to Switch and scheduled for release this spring. Uh, lead so hub it counts. It counts, <laughs> it counts as Nintendo it counts. news. You can't be mad at me. Uh, lead hub designer Don McDermott told the magazine that there's going to be about 800 unique characters, um, up, approximately 300 of which will be playable, which uh, difficult to wrap my mind around how that's possible. <laughs> well, uh, many of them will play exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. um, many of the char new characters are from the new trilogy, including Babu Freak, Although it's unclear to me if that means that Babu Freak is going to be playable or is just like in the game. Does Babu Freak have a gender? Is Babu Freak male or female? Do we know? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I vo voiced by a woman, um, mm -hmm. but I, I don't know if, if uh, I don't know if we understand gender in Babu Freak's uh, species or uh, Babu Freak's specific gender. <laughs> I'm hoping that there is a spinoff comic or a novel series. Maybe in the new, like, Star Wars High Republic, we will get more details on this. Um, well, what's, I mean, no, he's not alive at the time of the High Republic. That's 200 years but before But his species may be. His species may be. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia, uh, and he's, he's male. Babu Freak is, is male. Um, the, the character does appear in, the, uh, in Alex Segura's um, Poe Dameron Freefall uh, novel. Um, which I did read, so I was like, I'm, I know I've seen a, a pronoun associated <laughs> with this character. Uh, also in um, Skywalker Saga, 
There's going to be 23 moons and planets with a total of 28 playable locations. You're going to be able to... Mark, I love... Oh, sorry. We have to stop on those numbers. <laughs> um, I love... I love 23 moons and planets. Phenomenal. Very exciting. Very excited to see uh, 23 different moons and planets. But with 28 playable locations, that means that there are five of these locations that are not planets or moons. So, Mark, and I understand there could also be, you know, two different parts of Tatooine or whatever. But what do we think those five non-planet, non-moon locations are? I think for sure you're spending time in the Millennium Falcon, right? Got to be on the Falcon. Death Star's got to be one. Oh, yeah. Death Star's totally got to be one. Uh, Whatever the ship is called in The Last Jedi. Uh, yeah, the, uh, Snoke's, uh, like, starfighter thing. Oh, and I also right? meant the one that, like, the the Resistance is on. Sure. Well, they're in, like, a whole fleet, so. Right. Uh, well, wherever yeah. Princess Leia's uh, so, hanging out. Yeah, where we go. Where Princess Leia's, Oh, Crate! Uh, oh, that's a moon. Never mind. That's a moon. Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Against the rules. Um, but there, uh, there could also be the, uh, like, Grievous's, um, Star Destroyer thing in, uh, the beginning of Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. from like the, the first like 20 minutes of that movie. The point is uh, there are a lot of uh, exciting <laughs> non-moon, non-planet locations and I am into it. Uh, I, it's also, I also think it's cool. Like you will be able to play through the events um, in any order. So you don't have to go through it chronologically. You don't have to start with the Phantom Menace and end with Rise of Skywalker. You can play them however you want to. However, like, which I think is really fun because I know that when I pick it up, I'm going to want to dive into like specific films so I can see those environments um, and yeah. not, I don't want to have to like play through it all the way through. And uh, they um, even get an opportunity to get a little dig in at the rise of Skywalker saying that the film could have done more with Finn as a character, undoubtedly true. And that the game is their chance to make things right. So interesting to see what interesting. that interesting. What does that mean? Yeah. I love it. Did- Mark, did you watch the uh, Lego Star Wars Holiday Special? No, I didn't. So that, that makes a little bit more with Finn. It takes place after um, the Rise of Skywalker, uh, and Rey is like training Finn to become a Jedi. Oh, um, interesting. And it's, it's about her frustration, uh, like not being able to impart her message uh, or like her training to him as quickly as uh, she was expecting to. Uh, and then she travels through time and like crazy stuff happens because it's a Lego Star Wars Christmas special. Um, but it like sets up, you know, what it, or not sets up, but like actually takes seriously some of the things that the, you know, first two movies and even this uh, Rise of Skywalker itself is like sort of hinting at, uh, but like refusing to play with. Um, so, it, I, man, it would be great if in the Skywalker saga, Finn picked up a lightsaber and not just during the uh, Force Awakens portions uh, to actually like be a sort of semi-Jedi in training. That'd be great. Yeah, that would be really cool. Mark, uh, I have a question here about this story um, from the official PlayStation magazine, so I'm not doubting it, but what is the... Let's talk about the coincidence here that the quote that they got is from lead... Or the, the lead hub designer, designer is the one who was talking about this, and her name is Dawn McDermott which is the last name of the actor Ian McDermott who plays the emperor in these Star Wars movies. Yeah, it, it definitely raises more questions than I have answers to. Like, is she related? Yes. Is she in McDermott? Um, we just don't know. That's right. That's, I mean, th- these are all, is she a clone? Is she a defective clone? Is she the daughter of a defective clone? Right, is she, um, oh, yeah. wow, yeah. Is she like one of those Snokes in a tube? These, these are just the kind of questions that we don't have the answers to, but everyone needs to look into in a very non-harassing kind of way. <laughs> I don't want anyone to tweet at this woman. <laughs> I, just, I just have questions, that's all. Over the weekend, Celeste developer Matt Makes Games made a sequel to the classic Pico 8 Celeste. This is called Celeste 2 Lonnie's Trek, and it's available for free at mattmakesgames.itch.io. And you can download it or play it right in the browser. Yeah, so uh, uh, maybe a little like backstory here as to what exactly this is. Um, in the game Celeste uh, that you can play on Switch or a lot of different places, um, there is a sort of, uh, there's like a, a video game within the video game where you can like access an old like computer and play um, like an old 8-bit version 
of Celeste. Um, and the sort of history behind that is that it was like the sort of prototype version of Celeste or like the first version of it before they like beefed it up and made it like a, a full, um, you know, sellable release. Um, and so this is a sequel to that. It's, it's Celeste 2 for the Pico 8 um, and not actually like Celeste 2, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It, it does make a certain amount of sense. Yes. Um, so it's a uh, uh, Lonnie's Trek. Uh, is it's a new um, protagonist, a new character, uh, and instead of being uh, like based on um, like dash mechanics, you don't jump and dash. You jump and use a grappling hook. Um, this is fascinating. I don't really have a way to play uh, like a game on my computer with a controller. Though I suppose I could probably just sync up a, uh, a PlayStation controller to it or something. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it 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 looks really cool. I was playing it a little bit with the uh, keyboard, um, and would like to dig into it for real, um, but you know just can't. Yeah, and I, it's I can't I can't play a platformer on a uh, uh, keyboard. And it's uh, Celeste's third anniversary, which is kind of wild to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, that uh, I guess probably like we don't. I guess what what I was going to say is like I'm surprised we haven't heard anything like from Matt makes games after that. But I guess like when you've made a game like Celeste, you're probably doing just fine and taking your time with whatever you're working on now. If you're working on anything, I mean, I I would guess that this this Lonnie's Trek thing that feels like a teaser mm. or like a full fledged uh you know sequel to Celeste or you know maybe Lonnie is a different kind of game or you know something like it it seems like there's there's something here this is exciting and this is fun all on its own um but for me like what it sort of teases or promises about the future for Matt makes games um like that's that's the intriguing part to me finally takaya imamura has retired after 32 years with nintendo on his facebook imamura posted a selfie outside of nintendo's headquarters in kyoto japan with the message Quote, this is my last day going to work. I took a selfie with the empty office. I guess I won't be coming in here anymore. As you'd expect, I'll miss it. Uh, a, a very sweet, very simple little message there. Um, seem, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was more like pomp and circumstance internally, but it's just kind of weird to be like, uh, it's my last day. <laughs> yeah, and... I guess I'm sure, but I would assume the office is closed or is basically empty because of COVID. So yeah, I wonder what a going away party in a COVID world looks like. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, but Imamura worked on heavy hitting franchises such as The Legend of Zelda, Smash Brothers, Star Fox, and F-Zero. But most importantly, maybe for this podcast, he was also the designer of Tingle, a character which yes. is very near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, we love Tingle, um, and I mean, you know, the, obviously the, the rest of those franchises are huge parts of what, you know, the cornerstones of our Nintendo fandom and the games that we talk about on this show all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, we, we, we talk a lot about how um, Nintendo has sort of been, like, passing the reins uh, to the sort of, like, younger generation of developers, like, that's where Splatoon came from, um, and uh, that's just, you know, there is new energy and new blood coming up in Nintendo all the time. Um, it's just weird to see sort of like the older, more established voices uh, either uh, fade into more um, like supervisor, like uh, uh, Miyamoto, you know, like what is his title? What does he actually do? Um, and uh, this guy here, like who obviously was instrumental in creating awesome things like Tingle um, uh, le leaving the company. Um but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a nice story, right? 32 years? Wow. Yeah. Also, you want to uh, sell more Hyrule Warrior copies than the 3.5 million that Age of Calamity has there managed to do. We, yes. Like, it. <laughs> a, a Hyrule Warriors game based all around Tingle is a guaranteed 10 million seller. Like, guaranteed. No problem. No sweat. Yeah. Hyrule Warriors, Tingle's Tumble. Do it right <laughs> now. All right, Mark. Let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that for us. 
You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. There's also a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying you always choose the girl with the glasses. And thank you for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.